Henry, what's on the table, my friend? Oh, listen, you know, we've been going through the generations for a couple of weeks now. We took a little break, but we are back on the generation and this generation that we have going on. Oh, my. We call it the boomer, the boomer generation. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> boom, ba boom, boom. Baby boomers. boomer. And so that's on the table today. And since you asked that question, Pastor Paul, Pastor Wade, who's on the table? Wow. Wait, 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 hold, 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 hold on. Who's at the table? There you go. We, we're, not, we're, not, we're not eating them. You know, yeah, you know what? I was going back to the yet. slave project. I was going back to the slave project. That's what happened. But who's at the table, Pastor Wade? Let us know who's at the table. Uh, we have three three distinguished guests that I'm just excited to have um, here with me. Uh, one of them I I've preached about, not in a bad way, has been very encouraging to me. But we have with us, um, uh, I'm gonna start with uh, someone that I worked with daily uh, a long time ago, and um, we worked together in youth ministries um, from Dallas, Texas. Lalitha Walker Messiah. All right, uh, she is a a guru at at ministry making ministry happen and so we're glad to have her with us we also have with us um the president and ceo of advent source uh brad forbes all right he is with us another right. gentleman that i've worked with he's right he's right up the street from my job and we have collaborated in a number of things and i believe his perspective is going to be great and then i have to say that i have uh, admired um, our, our third guest, um, he is he is well-renowned um, Grammy artist, uh, winner, um, uh, musical artist, uh, but he's a dynamic preacher. Oh my oh, wow. goodness! Uh, if I could if I could sing and preach like him, my goodness, my church would be filled. But we're just so glad to have uh, Dr. Win. Phipps with us, pastor there in Florida, and also the CEO of Dream, U.S. Dream Academy. So we're glad to have them with us today. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's bring them on, ladies and gentlemen. Here are our guests for today. Awesome. All right. So listen, we are so excited to have each of you with us this afternoon. Um, we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we're going to give you guys just a quick second to say whatever you want to whoever you want. Um, quick prayer. Father, be with us now in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right. So here we go. So we're going to start. Um, let, let's start with with Lolitha and we're going to work our way back across. Lolitha, you're not a preacher that I'm aware of. Now, some of y'all are, are no. closet preachers. So I'm going to give you the full 38.9 <laughs> seconds for oh, you wow. to just kind of say anything that you want to say to whoever you want to say it to, anything that you want our audience to know. Now's the time. Go. Well, I'm happy to be here, and I thank Pastor Wade for inviting me. I was a little bit scared, but he said, love, don't be scared. You know, so I'm very happy to be with you guys, and I hope that I will bring something to this table. I've been in youth ministries for almost 30 years, 29 years, and I worked at the GC Youth Ministries Department. And I worked at Southwest Region Conference under um, Pastor Black, who was a youth director. So I, I love ministry. You know, I'm a baby boomer. I didn't know I was a baby boomer, but <laughs> I'm a baby boomer. And I have three adult children and I have two grandchildren. And I just love um, interacting with people. You know, I was telling Pastor Wade that I'm shy. 
you know, but hey, well, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. All Thank right. You. Thank you Amen. so much. And we're excited to have you. Brad, yes. you hang around preachers too much for me to give you the full 38.9 seconds. <laughs> I, so, so I got to I'm, I'm have to cut you down to 20.7 seconds. Go. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So Brad Forbes, and it's great to be here. So I, I want to make it clear that I'm at the end of the baby boomer generation here, uh, <laughs> uh, but but uh, am clearly a, a, a boomer. I'm, I'm the child of a pastor, grew up around pastors. Um, and the other thing that makes me sort of an interesting fit to this conversation is that I grew up till I was 16 as a missionary child in Malawi, Africa. So I grew up in colonialism that oh, then wow. transitioned out of that time into independence um, and, and missed a lot of the uh, big baby boomer um, things that when, I, when we arrived here in 1976, I had missed a lot of the formative uh, times that really affected baby boomers. But I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. All right. Great job. Now, I'm, I'm hesitant. Pastor Phipps, he's pastor, and we know what pastors do. We get paid to talk. No, but we have you here because we want to hear you talk. Ellie, we're going to give you your full 30, 30. What did I say? What was the time? 30. Uh, I, I, I got to be fair to Brad. So you've got 20 seconds to <laughs> go. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, Elder. We can't hear you. Uh, uh, let's uh, try that now. Okay. Thank go for it. you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank God for the opportunity to be here. I just want to say two quick things. One, uh, I commend you all for this amazing forum. Uh, it's, that's, it's an awesome thing you're doing, number one. And number two, uh, of all my accomplishments, the most uh, important for me is that uh, I have worked with all my heart to make uh, my wife, Linda Diane Galloway, the happiest woman who's ever walked the face of the earth. And, and I, tell, I tell brothers, uh, any man who can make one woman supremely happy is a genius. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> hey, I'm writing that down. I'm writing that I'm work, down. I'm working hey, listen, on my listen. genius credentials. I'm working on my genius credentials. If, if 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 it hasn't been seen yet, I'm grinning because I I, I feel I feel so vindicated. My mom, uh, Elder Phipps, my mom and your mom were teachers uh, in Trinidad together. Oh wow! And, uh, she what always shares the story about uh, seeing you as a young child coming to your mom's uh, at there while they were teaching, and and she shares that wow. with me. And so I'm 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 just pleased to have you here on behalf of her. Iris Wade was her name, uh, but uh, I'm just on behalf of her. We just thank you for uh, for the uh, your life and your family that you you know. They're, we're proud of what you have done coming from a Trinidadian, but we're proud of what you have done and what you're doing for for people. Thank yeah. you, my my joy and privilege. All right. So everybody ready? I think this is going to be good. We need everybody to buckle up, strap in, get ready, because here we go. Question one is coming out of the gate. It is said that boomers, you tuned in, you got high, you dropped out, you dodged the draft, you swung in the 60s and you became hippies. I wish I had some hippie music that would play in the background. Um, when people think about the boomers, they're thinking that psychedelic, all of those type of things, Woodstock, all of those things that characterize. Is that a fair assessment from your perspective of the boomer generation? 
Well, I, I'm just going to I, 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 I jump in here. So um, I, I would say that it impacted the, the generation um, that, that those things were happening, that that during the time when uh, when the boomers were coming of age, really in the 60s, uh, you know, boomers would be getting into their 20s, uh, that the rejection of maybe some of the social norms, the, re, the relaxing, particularly of uh, the sexual um, uh, uh, things that had been practiced in, in the past and um, definitely had a huge impact on this generation. Uh, but I would also say, I'm, I'm going to say this, that the, the deaths of some, uh, some key people, John F. Kennedy, um, mm. Malcolm, um, uh, you know, Martin Luther, uh, Bobby Kennedy, real, and, and then the, uh, the Vietnam War and Watergate all came together to just wow. make, wow. The, make the, um, the, the, our generation, the boomer generation, something that was different than before. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Go, go ahead, Lolita. Well, um, it says um, being a hippie and it says being a swung or is it a swinger or whatever <laughs> that may be. But um, I know all these things, wonderful things happen in, in because I was born in the 60s. So I wasn't exposed to the, 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 the smoking because I never smoked. I wasn't a um, drugs and so forth. I wasn't um, exposed to those things. But, you know, as you get older, then you start to realize, oh, this is really happening around me. So I was talking to my daughter and she said, mommy, you were just sheltered. So, yes, I believe I was sheltered because <laughs> things were happening around me and our parents, my parents just kept us there. But, you know, it's a wonderful being a boomer is a wonderful life, you know. I'm excited about things that have happened and progressed over the time, you know. But, and I'm not a hippie, you know. So, but at the same time, all those things gave credence and gave excitement to the life of a, a boomer. So that's what I. All right, mm. Pastor Phipps. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, let me tell you. Um, I guess I'm a preacher, so I put together a construct in my mind, uh, and it comes under the initials or acronym, if you want to use it, I-O-R-D. Uh, that, and I'll explain it in just a moment, it, it tells of the four stages uh, that boomers have been dealing with. The first, the I stands for idealism and innocence. Uh, we we grew up in a time of tremendous idealism, you know, putting a man on the moon, uh, the hope of civil rights. Uh, the, it was a time of tremendous idealism, and it was a time of tremendous innocence. Uh, I want to say innocence kind of characterized by a little naivete. Okay. <laughs> you know, we were kind of naive to... A lot of the evils that came to us, you know, drugs and sex and all, the, there was a naivete to it. Um, it, it I, I was born in Trinidad, but in 1965, I landed in Montreal, Canada. That's where, really where I grew up. 
So yes, I was part of the Woodstock era. And yes, I wanted to be another Sly Stone and until I met Sly and he was Stone. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> I, I, I practiced all of the, I wanted to be the Temptations all by myself. You know, I can turn a gray sky blue or I can make it rain, whatever. Oh, I can make you know, I want to do all the voices by myself. Um, so, but in Canada, Canada was always a little bit behind in its innocence, behind America. Uh, so I had a, a job one summer selling ladies' dresses door to door. I had mm. a rack of dresses that I would knock on the door. The ladies would open the door, let me in, check out all the dresses, see which ones they liked, go in the back room while I was in the place, try them on, and then come back if there was something they liked, they'd pay me for it. You, you, you talk about innocence and naivety. That, that's, that, that characterized our time. And the, the O stands for optimism. There was a tremendous sense of optimism that we carried, uh, uh, the boomer, baby boomer generation. And then came the reality check. Hmm. Mm. That's the R. Uh, then came the realism that uh, all of the evils that had come with our, our innocence and naivete that kind of snuck in. Yeah. We now had to deal with them. Drugs, crime, divorce, uh, the, the standards that we grew up with in the church. I mean, I can speak to those. And then, so that's I, idealism, innocence, O, optimism, R, reality check, realism. And then for me, where... Uh, the boomers are today is a time of, for too many, despair. Mm. Despair. Despair and, and desperation. Mm. That's, why, that's why this boomer generation was so open to the dog whistles yeah. of a president who was telling them I can take you back mm. because they're despairing. What is going on? Where are we going? How can how, we got to fix this? And they were vulnerable to the false promises and the dog whistles of, I can take you back to a time when things were more stable, more innocent and, optimism and and uh, financial security etc so th that's kind of how i put it together okay awesome mm. listen listen we saw one of our viewers um, john mills asked a very good question in terms of what we had just framed in question one in terms of all those things that we talked about um being um got high dropped out dodged a draft that how did that affect adventism now some of you said it you always sheltered um, any any insight as to what did you see within the church as it was coming up against those kinds of um, characterisms? Hey, you know what? Hold, hold, hold on that because I, I know we, we got a question coming up that's going to deal with that. But I, I had I had to throw some music in and ask this next question because I want to know how many of you had an afro during this time? <laughs> no, we, we Brad, I no. <laughs> 
You call it a bush, brother. A bush, okay. <laughs> a bush. Right, yeah, the bush. And, a and bush. Had to, had to, had to, I did. Afro pick, you know? Had to have the pick in the, 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 with the, the we black fist. And we patted down. We patted down. <laughs> pat down our Afro, you know? All right. And then, and then what happened was uh, you, your, your Afro was attacked by male pattern baldness. <laughs> yeah, and so but what I what I did, I had I grew my hair long, and then I'd flip it forward and try to keep the afro, keep it styled like an afro. But it got to be too stressful, always walking backwards in the wind. Oh my! <laughs> you, know, you know when you, when you get up in the morning and you check in the wind velocity and the temperature, you got you got a problem, you know. I, I thought that Pastor Phipps was going to say uh, that his Afro got attacked by the church uh, uh, seniors in the church, because one uh, of the things that happened with the with the church during this time is I feel like we doubled down to make sure that we were that our youth weren't like those youth. Mm, oh mm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like what? What if it was think, the? Uh, I, by the way, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, I say those youth in that, that you know, that those people that we were talking about that, that were characterizing the, the boomer generation, we didn't want them to be for our children to be that. Yeah, I wow. was going to say, there's one thing I, I, I'm not sure there's so much I, I'd love to share about our time and our generation. But one thing I know for sure, one thing I know is absolutely sure the baby boomers had the greatest music, period, hands down, the 60s, the 70s, not only in secular music, but gospel music. You know, when you had the Hawkins, you had James Cleveland. You, I mean, you, they had, we had the greatest, greatest music that, of, of, that I can remember the last 100 years, really. Wow. If that isn't true, if someone doesn't think that's true, just ask us. We'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but what was in what was in the baby boomers time like in the the the, the late 60s and the, um, the early 70s? It's coming back right now. You see people now with the afros. You see well, people now with the bell bottoms. You know. <laughs> well, okay, okay, for you, no. Natural here, natural here. We'll give it natural here. All right. I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you see all those things coming back now, because yeah. it seems like this generation liked what we did in 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 the boomers' generation. But I think that we were a strong generation. We were, you know, we had the builders who laid the foundation and we came mm -hmm. in. We were like the, the, the furniture in the building. You know, they laid the foundation and we came in to, to expand on that, to, to, to make it even firmer, firmer foundation. You know, so I enjoyed growing up, even with all the struggles that we had, you know, that I had. I could only speak for myself. But, you know, going through disappointment and sometimes despair, pacifists, you know. But when you look down on it, our, our builders, they laid that foundation for us, especially in the church. 
I was born the mm. Seven Day Adventist, and we went to church. We were in church, seemed like we were in church all the time, but we were happy. You know, we were joyful. We had good. Uh, I had a good um, childhood. So, and then, mm -hmm. like you said, reality started to set in when and boomers got married at an early age. You know, and we started to have children. And then reality sets in, oh my goodness, I have to pay rent. I have to get grocery <laughs> for all these, you know. But it was a generation that was progressive in the sense that we were making step headway to be stronger, you know, and we want our kids to be stronger, those that have them. You know, but my, I enjoy my, that generation. I was gonna say my sister, uh Brad and I are probably going to have to disagree with you on one thing. Okay. The Afro for us is not coming back. It's definitely not coming back. Well, and, okay. And, All right. And you made, you made a great point uh, when you talked about marrying early. Uh, I was 21 years old when I got married. Uh, this year, mm -hmm. or I should say next anniversary, my wife and I will be married 45 years. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, but I, was, I was I was 21. But it comes back to what I shared, the I-O-R-D. <laughs> uh, and that is, there was the I. We got married young because there was an idealism. There was an innocence. There was a naivete. <laughs> there was a sense of optimism. And mm. yes, once once we got married, then we had the reality check, you know, the realism set in. So for hopefully, then, not, hopefully no, no despair, desperation, but, uh, but <laughs> reality definitely kicked in. Yeah. And awesome. congratulations on your, um, 45 years. I got yeah, married when I was 18. I got married oh, when I was 18 years old and, 18. um, 18. Wow. I married when I was 18. But it was, it was like I said, it was a, a journey. It was a journey. My husband is deceased now, but um, got married when I was 18 and I had children. By the time I was 26, I had three children. You know, so wow. it was like, okay, reality was stepping in and we we're going to say we can't live on our, our parents um, anymore. We have mm -hmm. to go out and for ourselves and teach our children values and even in the church because my time going in the church you know you you know they preach you have to get married you know no sex before marriage you know and all that so now that I was thinking man I didn't want to get married I didn't want to have any children but you know you find somebody you fall in love and you say oh I have to get married because you know, I can't do the things that I'm not supposed to do because I'm going to burn in hell, you know, so <laughs> get married and so forth and still in the church and everything like that, that foundation that our parents gave us. So uh, the boomers are, uh, like I said, we just keep on taking one step after the other, which bring us to success, you know, and we just have to just keep on moving and keep on believing you know, and it's a wonderful time for wow. me. Anyway. Well, you know, I, I was going to say, church. The thing that really has brought a, lot, a reality check and maybe some 
desperation and, and despair for boomers in the church is the changing, or I should say are and have been, the changing standards yeah. in the church. The, mm. the, the boomers are really um, uh, disconcerted uh, and very, uh, d- 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 uh, the word I'm, I'm looking for is they're very uh, disillusioned, so many of them, because the standards that she's describing that we grew up with. I have a little poem uh, that I, I wrote years, uh, 20, 30 years ago, to describe even back then the disillusionment. It goes some, simply like this. In my Bible study, they told me don't eat ham, but in their homes they serve me something called wham. <laughs> they they say let's be they say let's be vegetarians, but as intemperate as they can be, the chocolate and sugar they consume, you could have fooled me. Mercy. Now Sabbath is a holy day of rest. But from what I'm not so sure, Sunset finds them cooking, cleaning, even shopping at the store. (laughs) And and it ends by saying, uh, to be honest, I am confused, but maybe it's just because I'm new to this faith, right? Mm. Mm. But somehow I can't help but think they seem to be confused too. Oh, wow. yeah, you know, so much, so much of the standards have changed. The the things that we thought were, you know, you know we didn't go to movies, but then the movies started visiting us. Uh-huh. Yes, you know, uh, so much, so much. You know, we didn't drink, we didn't drink caffeine, we didn't drink Coca Cola, uh, and you know, we we were pushing something called caffeine tea. You know, um, I don't even know where that is today, but the standards. The floor of the standards have gone away, and boomers are really, that's part of the despair, that's part of the reality check. They're trying to figure out, how do we build a faith when the standards that we built upon are no longer with us? Wow. Elder Mm. Phipps, may I ask a question? Um, Do you think, or do you think that... um, this disillusion. I agree. Agree with you because growing up, you know, but I I became disillusioned in my later years when it was one of my late forties and so forth. I became very disillusioned with the church, you know. Mm-hmm. So, do you mm-hmm. think it's because we do not define the relationship that we have? Because Pastor Wade, he did a when he worked at Southwest Region Conference. His um, the theme was defining the relationship. Do you believe if that we have not defined the relationship that we have with Christ, that's why we become disillusioned, or because that's why we, you know, what 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 do you think? But because we have a lot yeah. of disillusionment for that defining relationship. That mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think uh, in response to your question. Um, uh, can I tell you that as a pastor, um, I had to work through some of that disillusionment myself. Uh, what I mean by that is I found myself 
uh, it was about 25 years into my ministry when I realized after all my teaching, all my preaching, all my Bible studies, all my baptisms, building churches, to me, at the end of the day, it just seemed like we were not making enough nice people. Hmm. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was still burying too many mean people and too many angry people. And, and if, if pastors are honest with you, they will tell you that's the most heartbreaking thing to realize that you're doing all this ministry, but people are not getting better spiritually and they're not being prepared to meet Christ. And so Mm. I flipped my ministry completely in terms of its focus. My focus now is growing people and helping people to grow, to resemble, reflect, Mm and reveal the character of Christ. Amen. In other words, which is which is which is comes out of a relationship with Christ. And 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 I found what I found was we were focused on important things and we were missing the essential things. Right. Uh, okay. in, in other words, in other words, you, you know, how, how can I say this you you have um, I remember I went to Australia to preach and I said, I've come a long way to make a simple case for the preeminence of Christ likeness. In other words, I understood all of our doctrines are important, but what does it matter if you know the details of prophecy, but in your character, you're not prepared for the fulfillment of the prophecy you believe in. It it makes absolutely no sense. And, and so I, I flipped uh, about 10, 15 years ago, and my church, they've felt it because, you know, you know how we say the fourth commandment on Sabbath morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, after the fourth commandment, there was another commandment that I introduced. <laughs> I hate to call it a commandment, but it, I, I'm just saying there was another quote that we would say after the fourth commandment, and that is, and we still say it today, to be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Mm. And so Christ-likeness became the center focus. And can I say this final thing? That focus pulled me out of my cynicism and out of my despair as a pastor because I was despairing. When when you are standing over the grave of people and you know they were mean and ornery and they, and, and, and some, and, you know, it was it was very. And now, now, when I when I have funerals, and I know mm-hmm. that I'm bearing people whose hearts were turned to Christ, the trajectory of their life, because God judges us by our trajectory more than He does by our performance. That's what grace is all about. But the trajectory of their life, they were striving to be Christ-like in every way. Uh, it it has changed my life. Mm, mm, interesting. So, so, interesting. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Henry. You were going yeah, to say? Okay, yeah, I was going to say, um, it, you know, this is a very um, engaging conversation. And I was uh, just listening when you talked about the standards and how things have changed. And I want to know from your perspective, any one of you, the difference between standards and traditions. Um, do you, you know, are we saying that some of the standards that we held were really traditions? 
more than standards. What's your perspective on that as we look at the church of today? Well, I'll, I'll jump in on that and take a crack at that first. So one of the things that, uh, from my perspective, that the Adventist church tried to do, and actually not just the Adventist church, the Christian church, tried to do uh, as, uh, as they saw uh, things sort of unraveling, um, is to put in a bunch of rules uh, that hmm. we said, well, these are, these are the rules. And I think that that had a huge impact, particularly for, for the, our young people who went to Adventist schools and, and boarding schools even more so, because there was this long list of rules which were not separated in any way from what we believed as as Christians. They were they were rules and and um, and were tr and were tried to be legitimized by saying, well, that's what the Bible said. Well, it wasn't too long before you know some of us and and I don't know, uh, Pastor Phipps and and. Uh, the rest of you, what your experience is, but you know, in, in my academy days, you know, we, we knew the Bible didn't say that. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, the, the people will try to talk, talk around it and say, so then other things start wrapping up, uh, unraveling. And then we start saying, well, you know, really, um, we're losing sort of faith in this whole works based, we got to be perfect, uh, kind of mm. uh, world instead of focusing on a grace based what uh, Pastor Phipps was saying, a relationship, which then uh, we make decisions out of that. So we said, don't go to movies, any movies. It doesn't matter, any movies you can't go to. But when the movies came to us, we didn't have any idea of knowing how to say, well, that's not something that I'm going to watch. We said, well, they're in the house, so they must be okay. Wow. I think that um, when you talk about standards, for me, I think you're talking about your 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 morals and things that are your your the principle of how you live your life. Who are you behind closed doors? You know, tradition is like okay, every Thanksgiving, you know, every 26th of um um November we have Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know. So you have to define what it is. What is your standard? That means your your belief and your morals and your principles in life. How you how you behave, how your 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 thought um, process is. Mm -hmm. Tradition comes and goes, but your character, your morals, and your principles stays the same. It stays the same, and I think that in the church we mix them up. You know, we mix it up. We we say well. Morals, um, standards, and tradition are the same thing, and that's where we really get into trouble. Wow. We have to what we live, what we live and believe, you know, is our is our morals. We have wow. to go by our, what the morals that we live in, not by tradition. Tradition just tell me that oh, I have to go and drink blood or whatever the case may be. But my morals is that, no, that is wrong. What the Bible says, you know, not to consume the blood. So you have to think about what are my principles? What are my morals, you know, that I'm going to live by? And I think that's, then we could define that relationship. All right. 
So, mm. Pastor Wade, I know you've got another question, uh, and we're I, I, I think we're going to delve in a little bit more into some of these things in a, in a very unique way in, in one of our other questions. But, but um, Pastor Wade? Yeah, I, you know, as, as we as we were preparing, um, we we looked at the different generations. We looked at uh, the builders the, and the millennials and the Gen X's and the alphas. Um, in terms of what you're recognizing today, you know, we, you know, where you've come from, what has shaped you. We talked about the Cold War. We talked about Vietnam, Woodstock. Um, you live through those changes and you're living through changes now. Look at us now. We're, we're in COVID-19. We're in social and political unrest. How would you compare um, what we're dealing with now um, with w what you used to deal with? Um, um, do you feel it's, is this a time, I, I'll be honest with you, um, I'm a Gen Xer. And I always say, I can't be a young person today. <laughs> and when I was coming up, that was rough. How is it? How is it with you right now in terms of what what you what you came up through and what you're dealing with now? Well, go ahead, pacifists. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say. I was just going to add. You feel that what you what what you came through uh, gave you the strength to make it through what you're dealing with now, or this is so totally different. Well, uh, uh, well, if you point it to me, and I guess it's 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 a little more difficult to do that uh, online. But if you if you just call a name, and one of us will jump in. But uh, if you're right. asking, Doctor Fitz, <laughs> you, you go for it. <laughs> okay, um, I would say uh, you're asking about really what makes this different for us. I think than the way it used to be, and there's so many things, but one critical thing for me is technology. Uh, technology has drastically changed the landscape that uh, boomers planted their feet on as, as a foundation to walk. All of a sudden, okay, take for example, Letha uh, 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 mentioned, you know, we were in church all the time. Right. We were, you know, we were, we, and nothing kept us. I mean, I, I, I remember days when we trudged through, you know, two feet of snow to go to church. Yes. I mean, nothing, nothing yes. kept yes. you from church. Right. <laughs> uh, but then technology hit. And I, I we, we're, we're seeing it accelerated in COVID, but this has been going on 10, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, let me give you an example of what I mean. There were five reasons, I call them, five drivers that made you get up in the morning, shower, get dressed, get behind the wheel of a car or ride the bus <laughs> to go to church. Mm. And they were the five reasons were fellowship, mm -hmm. instruction, mm -hmm. inspiration, the promise of transformation, mm. Mm. and service. Those were the reasons we, we went to church. Yes. Yes. Well, technology is changing all of that. So wow. all of that's being digitized. So fellowship, 80% of the fellowship of young people today is the, in the virtual environment. That's right. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we, that's not something boomers grew up with. You know, I still, 
let's be honest, I, as a boomer, I, I'm still, uh, you know, I, I'll call people on the phone who've texted me. I said, <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> you know, I, I still need to hear the nuance of a human voice, man. And, you know, I just, this text yeah. thing is, you know, they tell us it's one of the reasons that teenage pregnancy is down in America because you can't get pregnant FaceTime. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 that's true. So that's a fellowship has been digitized. Instruction is being digitized. You know, uh, the church is one of the few places left where you have to get dressed, get behind a wheel of a car, drive to a building to hear a man stand behind a plexiglass desk or wooden desk and, t- and, and give instruction, uh, inspiration. Uh, think about this just for a second. If you had 10 people by your house, pre-COVID, post-COVID, and you want to sh- have a shared moment of inspiration, you don't start asking how many cars are parked in the driveway, how many people can we get in each car? Those days are gone. gone. Now, yes. now it, mm-hmm. it is, it's okay. Anything you want to inspire, whether it's a concert, whether it's a, a movie, whether it's whatever it is, you throw it up on a screen. So fellowship is digitized, instruction is digitized, inspiration is digitized. The promise of transformation, well, that kind of still is hanging on a little bit because in the back of our minds, we still think you got to come down an aisle to take your stand. But hey, what's going on in COVID tells us sometimes people have to come down to the TV and get on their knees to take a stand, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and And then when it comes to service, Service is uh, not something that we are structured to do. We do not budget for service in our church. 95% of all the income we take in in Christian churches, we spend it on ourselves, our buildings, our structure, our infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is the biggest change that boomers are struggling with, one of the biggest changes, and that is the, the reality of technology and how it is changing relationships, how it is changing how we worship, how how it's changing how how we live. Boomers are still the ones that had to. I mean, we went through DOS. <laughs> you know, we went, we went through. You know, we, we we went we 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 came through floppy disk. You know, uh, the, other, the other day my my record company called me and said uh, we have about a hundred. CDs left of your titles. Where can we send them to you? Because we're not making CDs anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, CDs are gone. They're gone the way of, of, of LPs and cassettes and eight tracks, uh, you know. And so that that's what's really uh, one of the that, that's the earthquake that boomers are dealing with, and that is the influx and the onslaught of technology. I agree Mm. totally, Elder. I agree totally with you because now we can't even um, be face-to-face and that that causes uh, emotional um, effect on one person, on a person. Well, for me, because my son, he, he, he's a, he's an adult. He's 41. And he had COVID the other day. So we were mm. separated. But when he got mm. over it, when he got over it and he saw me, he said, Mommy, give me a hug, you know? Mm. So that touch, that touch is 
is not there and it and it said when am i going to see because this technology technology has really and i agree totally with what you said yeah. you know El- Phipps, we, we have a question here on the screen that says what's an a track Kamala. <laughs> 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 Oh, I, is, are they are they really serious? Or are they playing? <laughs> I don't think they're serious. <laughs> well, no, they, no, no, they are millennials. I, That's a millennial. I remember, so she's really asking yeah. questions. <laughs> I, I remember when my fourteen-year-old, he was fourteen at the time. Of course, he's forty now. But I remember when he was fourteen, he came to me. He said, "Daddy," I said, "What, son?" He said, "What's a record?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> you never seen a little black thing spinning on a turntable, you know what I mean? And so, uh, and so, for those who want to know what Atrix, you're probably going to have to Google it because it's hard to explain. But it's a, a, a box with a tape in it, and you had a special machine in your car or your home, and you would stick this box. It's a box-looking thing. You stick it in there, and if it if it wasn't playing right. You would have to get a piece of paper and stick it in the side so that it could sit just right. So you can play. But, but when it played right, the sound was good. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Records too. Records too. There's a question in the chat. I don't know if somebody's going to. From Lulu Catania. Yes, Hello? yes, I was looking at that one. Yes, that's yeah, a great and uh, do you, you want to read it, yeah. Elder? Do you want to read okay, it? Well, do you want to? Yes. Well, it, here's a question in the chat that I thought was very insightful. Um, Lulu says this is an insightful conversation, but a question should be: How do you bridge the gap between generations? I am Generation X, and I feel that this is a tough life for our youth. How do you bridge the gap? Yeah. Somebody take that. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I say I, I wouldn't want to grow up at, at this time because electronics is just taken over. People, you know, it, think about this uh, for all of us here. If every moment of our lives, all the way from when we were born, were digitized and shared with the world, uh, which mm. is what's happening now, it's just a different time. I think for for those of us that are boomers and even the generation uh, following uh, the boomers, um, part of what we need to do is to not just throw up and say, well, all digital is bad. We need to drop digital. What we need to do is to say we need to bridge the gap. We need to to share with them that uh, we need to share with this digital generation that there's more than digital. Um, (laughs) Digital isn't bad of itself. But as standing alone, it, it's not enough. Mm. I have, I have in in answer to Lulu's question, I have Gen Xers, and I have as children, and I have a millennial daughter, and I have um, Gen um, the Gen Z as grandchildren. Gen Z, teenagers, 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 Gen Z. What for me? I can't talk for anybody else. For me, I have to create an environment for my children and my grandchildren that they could come and talk to me and that I could go and talk to them. And we have a conversation. I respect what they're saying, 
I respect their time as the age that they're living in right now. And even though I may not agree with some things, but I have to respect that. And I have to say, okay, let's have a, a intelligent conversation. How can I help you? And how can you help me? So that's cre- you have to create that environment of trust and to know that they matter no matter what is going on in their life, that they matter and what they're going through matter, what they're saying matters, their thought matters, you know, they matter. And we need to not, not talk down to them. We need to mm. tell them that you're wonderful. You are great. You know, God made you in his image. We have to tell our young people that. I have to tell my granddaughter that she's 20 and my grandson who's 15. Because I remember my granddaughter said to me, Grandma, suppose all this is not, you know, all this church and all this God, suppose it's, it's, it's a lie. Mm. And I said, baby, what we have to do is... Do be the best human beings that we can possibly be. We still need mm. to treat each other kindly. We still need to respect each other's boundaries and so forth. So we have to accept them. We have to love them. We have to listen to them and accept their, their thoughts and their creativity. We have to incorporate in our life. My son, who's 41, when he was 16, he taught, my children taught me how to, how to raise them. You know, my son was 16 years old. And, you know, as an Adventist parent, don't do this, don't do that, no, you know. And then he said, Mommy, if you continue the way that you're continuing, talking to us like that, you're going to lose us. And I said, oh, my God, I cried and I cried. From that day forward, I started to listen to my children. You know, I started to have intelligent conversation with them. You know, so we need to just listen and incorporate everybody together and let them know that they're worth it. They're, they bring something to the table. You know, we want you in our lives. We want your ideas. We want your, your because you're God's child. So that's mm-hmm. just my experience. You know, so, so I want to just jump in. I I want to jump in on that. I want to jump in on that and say, let me just change the words to what your son said to you. And I want to say the young, the youth, the younger generations are saying to the church, if you don't listen to us, if you keep treating us this way, you're going to lose us. And and the church has got to be able to say, and and I'm going to lay this on, on, on the boomers. Um, you know, we have got to step up. It's uh, the boomer generation is still significant presence in the church, in particular in the leadership, and saying we are going to listen uh, with respect and, and and to be able to take in what other people um, that we don't agree with are saying, or we're going to lose them. We are losing them. Well, you know, I, w- I would add to what, what has been shared on this. T- the question was, how do we bridge the gap? You know, how do we mm-hmm. connect? And um, I would start by saying Winston Churchill had a wonderful quote. The principle of the quote is, and I will paraphrase it for this uh, scenario, circumstance, situation. And that is face to face, in person, 
<clears throat> no superior alternative has been found. There's, mm. there's no superior alternative to heart-to-heart, eye-to-eye, person-to-person uh, expressing concern and compassion. There's, there's no substitute for that. But l- let's be real. We live in a time when we're not for FaceTime we would not see the faces of many of our children or grandchildren were it not mm-hmm. for the technologies that exist. So here's my point in terms of how we need, and, and some people might find this difficult, but for the last 20 years, I've been building an organization called the U.S. Dream Academy. We provide tutoring and mentoring to children whose parents are incarcerated. And I've learned so much in those last 20 years. One of the things that I've learned is that the modern mind reads from a printed page an average of five to 10 minutes a day. Hmm. But they watch video and images on a screen, whether it be a cell phone, tablet, computer, TV, they watch images and video on a screen, an average of four to seven hours a day. So what has happened in the last 10 years to the generation, uh, you know, that's just before the boomer, or I should say the generations that have come after the boomer generation. Mm -hmm. In large part, we're not facing it, but their minds have been rewired how they receive information and how you communicate with them. You think about it, your grandchildren or even children today before they can walk on their own, talk, (laughs) eat on their own, they are being communicated to by images and video. And as a consequence, this is a serious thing I'm about to share, as a consequence for the generations after our generation, images and video are more powerful than the written word or the spoken word. Mm. Uh, yes. Today, if you say, uh, as a preacher, you know, turn to, you know, Psalm thirty-one, verse two. Uh, it, it's Google. It's it's uh, Siri. Find me. It's Alexa. Um, we are living in a post-paper era, so the concept of a of a book, of a sacred book, where you you had, it was so sacred, you carried it with you. It was so so <laughs> sacred that you couldn't put a, a, a bottle of water on top of, of the book. The book was sacred. There's no more book. So, you know, you know I think of people who, who, who are in courtrooms, you know, put your hand on a Bible. What are you going to put your hand on, 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 a, on a tablet? Or are you going to put your hand on, you know, on, on a Google device? And, uh, and so we've got to figure out a way to communicate we have to become bilingual and communicate not in just the communication strategies we've used in the past, the printed word and the spoken word. And, and finally, I will tell you, some, some people may not understand that the spoken word is no longer as powerful to this generation as images and video. And if you don't believe me, you take the Gettysburg Address, you take Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech, 
Dr. King's speech will resonate for generations precisely because it was caught on video. If you had to go to a book to dig out Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech every time you wanted to experience it, you wouldn't have the same power. Or, or, or try to imagine Instagram and Facebook without images and video, just long reams of uninteresting text. And then finally, if you're still not sure that images and video are more powerful to the modern mind than the spoken word and the written word, you get the most eloquent writer, uh, the ele- most eloquent writer alive. You get the most eloquent speaker alive and get them to make a presentation or write an article on what happened to George Floyd Mercy. on that corner mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. It would have never had the revolutionary impact that those eight minutes and 48 seconds of video had. And so, so I'm afraid we're not we don't realize that we have to rethink, rework how we communicate to a generation whose minds have been rewired. Right. And you talk, you talk about, you know, bridging the gap and reaching them. That's going to have to be one of the first. Uh, it, it, it's it's kind of like a, a, a moon mission. We, 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 we're going to have to put every ounce of our energy, creativity, to, to figure out how do we uh, grow in this generation a reverence for the word of God that no longer comes out of a printed page. You, you know what mm. is fascinating about that um, is that this is, not, this is not a new revelation. This, this, this that you just walked us through, uh, Pastor Phipps, was the very first lesson that God taught humanity after the fall of sin. At the very huh. beginning, he was walking and talking face to face with Adam in the garden. After, And he was yeah. telling him, this is how this all works. And then in the end, after sin, after we messed up, he said, okay, fine. Let me show you a picture of how this works. Go get me a lamb. And, and, and yeah. he had to show him this. And so the right. picture of a bleeding right. lamb was the thing that began to tell the story from the very beginning. He was walking, right. talking face to face. But now God says, and then later, Exodus 25, let them make me a sanctuary. And all of the <laughs> visuals yeah. that were there, the right. sensory experience, right. that was something right. that God has been trying to teach us from day one of the fall. And we're still wrestling and grappling with not wanting to use the images and pictures at this point in the way. My goodness. Listen, yeah. okay, thank I got we got we got a shift, shift, shift right here. So and this is a this is a, a good a good segue um to, to something that um I think all of you have mentioned already. And it has to do with leadership in, in the church now. When we look at the mm-hmm. Seventh-day Adventist church, almost across the boards, unilaterally for, for the most part, boomers are in the leadership positions, and particularly in the key leadership positions of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, Unlike more generations or more recent generations, do you feel uh, that that is an indication that boomers have fully bought into the mission and the structure of the church? Well, I, I would just say one quick thing on that. Sadly, I think boomers have bought into 
what I would call the structure institution, or I, I should say that uh, the concept and the importance of uh, in 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 uh, in back in the days of the of the of Egyptians, they developed bureaucracy for institution. Mm-hmm. I think boomers have had too much faith mm. in the power of bureaucracy and institution. And so now that it is failing us, mm. it, it, it is, bureaucracy is failing us. The structures that we have depended on uh, are failing us not only in, in, in the church, but in government as well. And yeah. so we've got to figure out how to do that, but, but the, because they are failing us. They, these, we, we've had too much confidence in these, these, these structures. Yeah, I, I, I guess that I would say um, that this is a scary time for the boomer generation. Uh, because here they, they, we have built uh, many of these institutions, and I agree with uh, with Pastor Phipps. I mean, so we have really doubled down on the institutionalization um, and making sure that things are are written and codified, uh, so that so that the, the work can go forward. Um, and now, uh, here in the in the next few years. I, um, 50% of the presidents here in North America are going to be eligible for retirement. Um, it's for, wow. for, for, for that, for that, um, for that group of people, it's scary because we know boomers know that the next generation is going to do things differently. And, uh, and I, I think, you know, for, for, if we're going to be serious about this, uh, and this, uh, again, sort of, uh, ties into what Pastor Fritz was saying, we're going to have to figure out a way to mentor, but then to release and recognize. This is a great chance to recognize that uh, that it hasn't turned out how we wish that it would have. The, the boomers were were idealistic. We were idealistic. Um, and and if I if I could just take a moment, I'll I'll just tell you a, a quick story. So my wife and I went to a um, went to a concert, live concert. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, so the, oh, the, the people that age, were there, brother. yeah, the people that were there were all our age. You know, they're boomers. So, so there was these four, two couples right down the down the aisle from us, um, and um, I, I was watching them as we came down to the end, and and uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary had us standing up there uh, and singing the song. Um, I wish I could remember the song. I looked over at this couple. And they are crying. Both of them are just crying. And I said to my wife, there is a sadness there that we thought we would be able to make a difference, to make a change. And we have Mm -hmm. failed. Mm -hmm. My goodness. Wow. Wow. You saw Camilla's Camilla's statement, right? The question? Yeah. 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 She she asked if if we pointed out that we're failing, does that really mean we're, you know, is that what you're sensing that we are failing? That, that's what, that's what, that's the story that we just heard. That, that's what we, yeah. 
But but yeah, anybody want to answer that? Do you feel that as a boomer, because the system is failing, that you are failing? Well, I, I, I think. Go ahead, go ahead, Lily. I don't feel that way, but um, if we live, okay, let's put it like this: the system we have to, the system that we live in, right? We have to find a way that it doesn't destroy us, right? Because um, if we are going to live our life because the system says so, then we will be in deep trouble. But if we go and have a relationship, we're talking about the church, right? But if we have a relationship with Christ, I believe that he will lead us to the way that we should um embrace the next generation train the next generation you know so that we have to teach them love i think that's what it's all about we have to teach the next generation after us love because we have to have love that the relationship with christ we are building we have to build that we have to build it with each other or else we are going to fail if we don't build that strong relationship and I agree with everything that everyone has said about that, but we need to look on our relationship. What kind of relationship do we have with Christ? What kind of relationship do we have with each other, people in our households, you know, people in our family? You know, because if we do not have uh, uh, love in our hearts towards one another, there's no way that we're going to um, preach to the church and lead our young people into loving the Lord or want to be in the church. I think we have to define that relationship that we have, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I would say that thank God failure because of God, failure is not final. Hmm. Failure is not, uh, in other words, <laughs> we may have failed in accomplishing some goals because we were myopic or misguided, but there's hope that if we ask God to guide us and help us, we can set things right. So that's, uh, that, that's you know, success is never final, and thank God failure is never final either. You know, w- with God, we, we have a chance to fix things. I, I, and I also think that uh, one of the things we have to fix is how we use this technology going forward. We, we have to figure that out. Um, t- 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 we, and we don't have a lot of time to do it in. We, 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 we have to do it. And forgive me with the urgency I'm feeling. I, I'm almost speechless with urgency that we have to figure this out fast. Yeah, yeah. Because if you, if you, if you, you don't realize how, how much church growth has collapsed. Uh, Brad, mm. uh, I, I, I often tell people, go to AdventistStatistics.org. And if you go there, and and you'll see a map of North America come up. You hit North America, and you will see uh, off to the left, uh, you can put in the years you want to search. I tell you, just put in 2017 to 2019. And when you look at the statistics of our church, this is pre-COVID now. COVID, I think, is going to just decimate us. But pre-COVID, for 2019, 
Mm -hmm. Our church grew in North America by one member per church per year. That's the after all the after all the baptisms, all the deaths, all the apostasy, everything else. The growth that we've had really has been less than one member per church per year. We have more mm. churches than we've had uh, additions, and it, it is a serious it's a serious issue uh, that we have not been honest about and prepared ourselves to grapple with and how are we going to strengthen the church for the next generation and the generation of our children and our grandchildren. Mm. Wow. I mean, and, and I, I yet, tell you this. Yet still. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was no, going to say, I, and I yet still, saying, as we saw in the chat, the millennials that, yeah. we saw, the millennials that are writing, um, share that th there's a sense of it might be too late, and I'm wondering, do you feel it's too late to and to to engage them to help them take lead? I mean, a lot of them are saying boomers need to step aside. Um, you know, think you know that kind of conversation. But I'm hearing y'all are willing, or the boomers are willing, or should be willing to um, to to come alongside the millennials and the Gen Xers now. To, to help them um, um, matriculate to a point of not totally decimating what has been said, but to help them to matriculate to, um, to, a, to a church that's continuing to be triumphant. Do you feel it's too late? To, to help no, with no. that mentorship? No, I, I don't think it, it's too late, but it is, it is urgent. Uh, you know, it, it's an, an urgent thing. Uh, that that those that are in leadership um, right now, and even even not just leadership. I mean, I was blessed to have uh, mentors uh, in in my life that were older boomers who reached out and were mentors. But as a group, it doesn't seem like that boomers are doing much mentoring. We're doing the work uh, and getting it done, uh, and um, and I, it's going to be really important for us to to mentor. And I would say to to Lita, so one of one of the challenges I think that the that the church has um, is that if we're structured in a way that it doesn't appear like the structure is loving and accepting and welcoming, and uh, that that we're going to have a hard time uh, reaching out to people who are looking for that. Because they look at us and say, "Well, you're more in, you're more interested in keeping the machinery going uh, than in reaching the people." Mm. Mm. Anyone else <laughs> comment? I don't well, think I, we. I don't think it's ahead. too late. It's never too late um, to to um, want to. Um, help and lead and so forth. We're willing. I'm willing because I work with young people, different ages, and I believe I get along fine with them because I embrace them. I embrace whatever their creativity is. And I don't think that I, because I'm older, you know, I'm their leader, that I need to um, think that what they're saying and their leadership is not worth anything. So if we are willing as boomers, older, 
if we are willing to work together and respect each other, I think that it's never too late. We could we could have great things happen, you know, great things. Mm. I, I coined a, a quote the other day. Um, God gave me this original quote on what a mentor is. A mentor is someone who fills your heart with guidance, wisdom, possibilities, and dreams. Mm-hmm. A mentor is someone who fills your head and heart with guidance, wisdom, possibilities, and dreams. And I think we need to do that for the next generation. Uh, we need to mentor right. and we need right. to encourage. And we need to give guidance. We need to give wisdom. We need to, to help them see possibilities. And we, ha- we need to help them to dream. Uh, but above all, I, I want them to know that the greatest possibility that they were it's the greatest dream they can ever have is to grow more every day to resemble reflect and reveal the character of Christ yes. if we don't if we get if we can get them committed to that mm-hmm. I believe in my heart everything else will take care of yes. itself yes I agree until, totally elder until until we can do that if we if we go back to the way we used to do it and say, okay, these are the rules, <laughs> you know. And this, this, I, I often tell people that uh, we focus as churches. We focus on what I call the three B's. Okay. The first, the first B is believing. You think about it. We spend. All the money, all the resource, all the uh, all our all our structure is to try to get people to believe what we believe. Uh, for, we 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 even we call that evangelism. We you know <laughs> it, 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 how do we get people to believe what we believe? The next <laughs> B, the next B that we focus on is belonging. Which means we want you to belong with our organization. We want you to be baptized. We want your name on the rolls. We want you to join. We want you to belong with us. The third B is behaving. Yes. We we want you to comport and learn how uh, even even our cultural norms, what our cultural norms are, uh, so you can comport with those. And we all leave out the fourth B, which is becoming. Becoming like the character of Christ. We don't have, think about this for a minute. We don't have Bible studies on becoming mm. like Christ. Mm. Wow. We don't, we, don't, we don't have anything systematic and structured focused on helping people to become like Jesus. Uh, we think that you know, the acquisition of biblical knowledge is enough, but it is not enough. It, it, it needs to transcend that. And so, uh, you know, I, I think, I think we, if we don't fix that, we will have failed. 
Mm. If we don't, you know, if, if we look at our 28 fundamental beliefs, right? <laughs> but guess what? Did you know that love is not one of those 28 fundamental That's beliefs? That's right. That's so true. That's so true. Love is, wow. how, how can you build a church structure on the life and character of Christ and not put front, front and center love as the most fundamental exactly exactly, exactly. Wow. And, and so i'm saying we, we 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 if we don't do that we will have failed we, we truly will have wow. failed. i agree totally well listen listen we want to uh, first of all what what a uh, urgent a needed conversation because as you were saying um, if we, and I, I'm, I'm picking this up, um, with 50%, I think, uh, Forbes, you were saying, of our leaders, I think you said president's leadership, uh, will be retiring in the next, I don't know if you gave the amount of years, but it seems like... Huh? Well, well, part of the question is, will be they eligible. retire? But they will, will be they eligible retire? to retire. <laughs> right. They'll be eligible, right? Oh, um, wow. And then I'm, I'm also hearing... That's a good point. I'm also hearing that uh, we have to have we have to develop something. We have to do something to create this environment because people are leaving. People are leaving the church in groves. They are they're 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 not satisfied with the system, with the structure that I wish we had more time to talk about the structure of the church. Uh, but I guess that's another time that we have to deal with that. So talking to the generation, the, the baby boomer generation who are at the seat. They have a seat at the table right now more than any other generation um, as, as I look at, at our church as leaders. So what, what two things would you recommend or suggest um, that our boomers do to engage strategies, right, to motivate and inspire greater commitment to the to the mission of the church from all generations. We're talking about bridging that gap. Um, what two things would you say to that? We're talking to our leaders now. Let's talk to our leaders in the church, right? Um, they'll be eligible for retirement. Um, we don't know if they will retire. But we know that we have a big problem because our young, the millennials, they're adults, right? Millennials are adults. They're leaving, right? What two hey, things hey, Deanna, can we do? Yes. Hey, Deanna, I'll, I'll give one thing I think we can do. Uh, and, I, and there are many, I, I believe. But one thing I would recommend is that we move from a representative democracy to a participatory democracy. Hmm. Okay. Hold, what hold I mean on, by hold on. what I mean. Hold on, uh, Elder. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd mm. like to welcome you to the beginning of our show, of our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you for tuning in. We're starting a whole brand new one right here. I'm sorry. Go, mm. go ahead, Doc. Yeah. My mm. Lord. What, what I mean, what I mean by that is I'm listening. A, a representative democracy votes for people to represent them. Mm-hmm. A representative democracy, in a representative democracy, you vote for the president of the conference and the secretary, right? And, and, and you vote 
to for people to represent uh, the mission that that you are, uh, are are championing in a participatory democracy. You have, to, from my perspective, lay people and minister and and credentialed ministers working alongside each other. You know, let's face it. We're ministers. We're not accountants. We're we're not PR people. We're not marketing experts. (laughs) You know, but, but, but when we counsel, it's a representative democracy. It is not participatory. In other words, we don't have the experts from within the church sitting alongside us to work together. So, and, and, and the same thing with young people, with the next generation. We need a participatory system. Uh, right now, what we have is a representative system, and that is not structured for the successes we need and hope for in the future. Wow. And y'all broke this open with four minutes left. My <laughs> Lord. <laughs> You Talk can't say us. anything else. Elder Fitz has said it all. There's nothing else to say. He has said it. <laughs> but, but it's not just saying it. How do we do it? No. You know, how do we do it? In other words, yes. every press, every president of every conference really needs to have the best minds in his field yes. working along some kind of of, of counsel, some w- working with them. So it, it, it's kind of like this. <laughs> we have seen what happens when you have a representative democracy vote a president in who won't listen to doctors, mm. who won't listen Ouch. to experts. Are seeing. <laughs> You're going to have people die. Well, that's what mm. we have in the church. Mm. We, 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 ha- we have a representative democracy. We put people in positions, but we don't uh, hold them accountable to working with the best expert minds. That's right. That's right. In the church or out of the church to advance the mission of the church. And, and and I don't mean calling your friend who who started a you know a PR company. <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I I mean where you actually you actually have people who you 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 being you're holding yourself accountable to them because you're bringing in experts to direct you. Because if you don't do this, you if you don't do that, you're looking at failure. And that's what we have. We're seeing in our country, and that's what we're seeing in our church. Yeah, and and you, and you listen to the experts. You not only bring them in, but then you listen to them, and you make mm. and you make changes based on those recommendations. And I think you know one of the challenges that that this church faces is that we have uh, fifty-seven, fifty-eight conferences that are all constituent-based. Um, and so to make significant changes 
um, you know, we're, we're going to have to um, have leadership that will say this is where we need to be um, in order for the mission of the church to go ahead in North America. Um, and, and the boomers are the people that are in a place to make that. They're moving out. They could leave the church uh, structure much more functional than what it is right now. But we've been talking about changing church structure for, uh, Dr. Phipps, how, how long? I, I, I mean, ever since I, I came uh, um, involved in church uh, leadership, we've been talking about changes in structure. Wow. There's nothing about... else for me to say. They have said it all. And I, you know, <laughs> we just have to do action now. We, like Pastor B said, not just say it, you know, show it. Action. We need to stop talking now. It's time to stop talking and time to do action. If we want young people to come to the table, invite them to the table. You know, we just have to stop mm. talking right now. Do some action. Wow. That's a participatory democracy. Yeah. And not a representative one. Wow. I think we just started another show, Pastor Paul, Pastor Wade. I mean, <laughs> this is another show. Well, listen, I, I want to thank our guests for coming on our program today. I think that, um, at least for me, I gained a lot of great insight on, on the, the boomer generation and on the church and how to bridge this gap, because at the end of the day, we all have to work together so that we can uh, be the most effective that we can be. And then I also heard that, you know, now we have the boomers at the table. And so the appeal is, listen, let's make that change. Let's, let's, let's make an environment where we're bringing everybody at the table so that we can be hey, an effective church. Pastor Phipps, yes. Yeah, Dr. Dan, yes, you know, we, we, we have been blessed to have had all the questions asked of us. I would like to ask a question of each one of you before we close. And simply from our discussion, you know, Pastor Wade, what's your big takeaway? Pastor Paul, Dr. Henry, what's your big takeaway from our discussion today? Well, uh, if if I if I could start, um, well, I took my notes. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I got my notes ah! here. <laughs> so, because I plan to follow up. Um, but the biggest thing that I saw, I heard today is that there is an urgency. Um, and as boomers, you all know there's an urgency. Uh, or at least the boomer generation recognizes an urgency. The question now comes as to what can we do to mediate that emergency? What's the urgency that we need to ad address? So I, I, I believe that's my biggest takeaway, that there is an urgency and we need to really address it now and not kick the can down the road. Mm. Yeah, I, I think if I were to add to that, that, that my, my takeaway, one of the takeaways of, of many today um, ha, has me back at that Peter, Paul and Mary concert, Brad. And, and what I saw there when, when you saw the tears is that I saw a narrowing of the gap because what what it sounds like they were crying over how you articulated that, that, that there was a failure, that they recognized the failure. 
the generations now, they're, there's no, they're not questioning whether there's a failure. They're trying to question, are they going to stay to try to help fix it? Or are they going to go and do something mm. on their own? But the, but the simple fact that there is recognition that there, that we've messed up on some things, that there's some stuff that needs to be fixed. It means that the gap is not as, as gaping as we may have thought it, as we may have thought that it was. And so for those of our young people who are on that edge and they're trying to figure out, do I jump? Do I leave? Do I get off the ship? They're like, no, hey, there's, there's still enough. There's still people here that see that failure is not the end, Pastor Phipps. <laughs> there, there's, 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 hang on, that, that this ship can see, can get on through, but we've got to have everybody at the table. Yeah, yeah. And listen, my thoughts are the same. You know, what I heard, I heard a message, and to me it was loud, of a passing of the baton. How do we pass this baton, right? This is a race. How do we create the environment to pass the baton? And what I heard our guests say today, we must be able to change our thinking, be, be, be willing to invite people at the table and not be afraid to pass this baton. Because in passing the baton, then we're going to be a stronger church. And those millennials, Gen X is there too, but the Gen Zers, they're going to be more excited when they know that they're entering into an environment where what you said, respect, I'm willing to hear you. I'm not, I'm willing to hear you. And not only am I willing to hear you, but if you have some expertise in the area that I'm not proficient in, I'm going to lean more on what you're saying even yes. though it may be different yeah. from my concept. I, and I think this is good. I think if every leader, let me just say this, and I know we got to go pass the ball, pass away. But listen, for the leaders that are watching today, listen, hear our heart. Hear the heart of the millennials. Hear the heart of the Gen Zs. Listen, they want to be involved in what we call church. Yes. They want to be participants, but we got to open the door. We got to open the door. Yes. We can't be afraid to open the door. And understand when we open the door, there'll be some changes, but guess what? We'll be a stronger and better church because everybody is sitting at the table. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you. Again, great show. Listen, we just want to tell our viewers, thank you so much. We've been seeing conversation on the chat and I I think it has been, it has helped us on the show. And that's why Pastor Paul, I think you said it earlier. Look, we are so great. We are so elated to be in this program and have our viewers on with us because I think together we're all learning how to be an effective church. We want to remind our our listeners that here at the round table, we believe in ministry. We believe in doing it effectively. And I think we're going to get the ending right, (laughs) guys. <laughs> I think we can get it right. <laughs> so we thank you for well, joining us I'll, at the Pastor Roundtable, where we aim to help you keep ministry. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Wade, you can do it, baby. Come on. I'm sorry, man. That comment got me. We got to do it again. We got to do it again. Listen, wait, 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 for hold, joining us. Uh, hold on, Dion. Go, oh, wait, wait, we'll get there. there. Go ahead. Oh, there. <laughs> Roger, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. You're slowing yourself. You're slowing we're going to get it, we're going to get it. To our guests, we look forward to seeing you next week, to our viewers, um, at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard, uh, 2 o'clock Central. 
And we are glad that you are part of the Roundtable family, Pastors Roundtable family, where we strive to keep ministry relevant. <laughs> I was going to let Dion do it since he started. <laughs> hey, listen, we just got to end it now, brother. We're coming. <laughs> Relevant, come on, Pastor Paul. You can do it, baby. Come on. Resourced <laughs> and real. God bless you all. Take care, everybody.